Welcome to Femaling, the weekly podcast where we dive into the relatable everyday stuff us modern women all experience. I'm your host, Nicole Goodman, and I'm a certified women's life coach. I believe that now is the most exciting time to be a woman, and yet we are more stressed out than ever before. So here at Femaling, we unpack all of the complexities that life today offers us and gain insight and hopefully some calm into what can feel like a very conflicting time. In every episode, I'm joined by an incredible guest and together we look at how to find peace and humour and authenticity in all that we manage. They bring their absolute wisdom and honesty in relevant topics and I try to do the very same. So for more information and updates on femaling, please come and find me over at Instagram, Nicole Goodman underscore life coach. And if you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button and kindly leave a comment. Today on Femaling, I'm joined by Dr. Tari Mack, who is a clinical psychologist and she specializes in dating and how to find love. She has written a book, Every Relationship is a Test. Ta-da! That's the name of the podcast. Now you know why. And today... She graces us with her wisdom in how to have healthy, nourishing relationships. Now, if you're single and you're looking for love, this podcast is basically like Aladdin's cave for you, as she brings insight after insight, I'm not even kidding, in how to pick healthy partners. I mean, it is just the best piece of knowledge you could probably listen to ever. (laughs) Not that I want to big it up or anything. But if you're not single, I i mean, I'm not, and I still found her, everything she had to say so helpful, as relationships happen everywhere, right? So her advice and her knowledge can be translated into any relationship, whether that's with your husband, your wife, a friend, a parent, a daughter, a son, whoever. It can be translated into anything. So just listen with a slightly different ear. And for all you singletons out there, oh my God, I know you are going to enjoy this. This woman is amazing. everybody and welcome to Femaling and today I am joined by Dr. Tari Mack who I just told you a bit about in the introduction and she's a clinical psychologist and our topic today is called Every Relationship is a Test. So welcome so much Tari and thank you so much for being on Femaling. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here talking with you. So rather than me do like a long-winded introduction of you, I would like, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, of course. So I have been a psychologist for over 15 years. And in that time, I work with adults and couples. And in that time, I've worked with so many women who are either in relationships or looking for relationship or going through heartbreak or the ending of a relationship. And in my time, you know, getting access to the the process of these beginnings and endings and the pain and the joys of relationships, I came to see the same patterns being played out over and over again. And about five years ago, even though I love what I do, I love sitting with clients, I started feeling pulled towards something else. And when I finally discovered what that was, it was writing about all this wisdom that I've acquired sitting with all these beautiful women. 
And so that's how my book came to be. I recently released my book called Every Relationship is a Test. And the point of that book is to help women understand what their specific work is or how they keep getting in their own way to having the kind of love and relationships they want. So the book really lays out the most common mistakes, the most common patterns that women have. And once you identify what your work is, you will notice that the universe will send you tests and lessons and give you opportunities to practice doing things differently. And then as you transform, your relationships transform. Well, the first burning question that I have to ask you is what are the most common patterns that you see in relationships? Yes. Um, Okay, so there are eight of them. The first one has to do, you have to start at the very beginning, and that is clarity. Because if we don't know what it is we want, we can never create it, we can never recognize it when it comes. So in terms of relationships, we need to know exactly the kind of person that we're looking for, and we need to ask the universe to send us that person. (laughs) And a lot of times when I talk to women and I say, well, you know, who is your ideal partner? They say things like, oh, you know, he's funny or she, not every woman dates a man, um, but we'll just use uh, he and she pronouns for now just to simplify things. So they might say, oh, he's got a great job and he's funny and he's kind and, you know, but what they don't say are all the things that are higher level relationship skills that someone actually needs to possess to be able to be in a healthy relationship with you. So things like empathy, things like the ability to communicate, even when it's really difficult, someone who is honest and transparent, somebody who is trusting, somebody who can listen to my feelings. So you want to have all those things on the list, but you also want to know kind of like, who are your people? What kind of people do you gravitate towards so that you can call in the kind of person that you want? And you also want to know what your deal breakers are. And the way that you know that is you look back on your past relationships and all those repetitive recurring conflicts that came up or the things that really didn't work for you. You don't want to live those things again. So put that on your list. So if somebody... So you have to be really clear with the universe and with yourself as to what you truly want. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Big yes. And even though, yes. And even though we think we, we know it when it comes to writing it down or being very specific, sometimes we can't do that. So that is definitely the first step. Wow. And and can I just say, because do you deal with just romantic relationships or is it all relationships? Because we're all in relationship with with everybody. Like I'm in relationship with you right now. I'm in relationship with myself and my kids and my parents. And it's not just of course. my relationship with my husband or my yes. dating partner as such. Yeah. I mean, in the work that I do with people, yes. I mean, life is about relationships. So it's all kinds of relationships. The book is really geared toward romantic relationships. Although when you determine what your work is in romantic relationships, it may also, it probably applies to other relationships as well, for sure. Well, and because I guess, and this is a total assumption, but romantic relationships are so much more complicated, aren't they? Oh my gosh. So much more vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, they're going to bring out all of your shit, really. (laughs) Like all your neuroses are just going to come out at full force in your romantic relationships. So whatever shows up in your romantic relationship is probably going to show up in other relationships, would you say in a milder way or a calm? Yes. 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 
it won't exactly, it'll, it may be harder to notice or maybe won't feel as painful, but yes, it's usually not just in a vacuum in your romantic relationships. So I guess what I'm saying and to the people listening is that even if you're not single or you're not on the dating scene, just Mm -hmm. think about these attributes and these tips and these lovely pieces of life advice that you're about to give us for any relationship that you have in your life. And as a women's coach, I'm going to say, and and please apply these to your relationship with yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. And that's kind of the point of the work that I do is you need to stay connected to yourself and really know yourself and be a healthy partner if you want to be in a healthy relationship, for sure. Beautiful. Okay. So we've got clarity. Yes. Okay. So know what you want and ask for it. Um, The second one is knowing your own value and really having a beautiful and loving and kind, compassionate relationship with yourself. And the reason this is important is because we can only accept a level of love from somebody else that we give to ourselves. So, and we also are attracted to people who reinforce how we feel about ourselves. So if we know our value, if we know our worth, if we, if we know we have gifts to offer and share, then we will be attracted to partners who mirror that back to us. If, on the other hand, we struggle with self-esteem and we don't yet know our worth, we will actually be attracted to partners who make us feel insecure and less than. They will feel like home. How come? It's just how it works. There's some, you have, I mean, it's a good question, but everything goes back to how you take care of yourself, you know? And the most important relationship you have in life is your relationship with yourself. How much can you accept who you are? How much can you honor your feelings? How much can you be compassionate with yourself on your journey? The more you practice those things, the more you love yourself, healthier and the more aligned you are, and you can receive healthy and whole love from, from somebody else. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. you sound like a poet when you say that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, it sounds so simple. It's into place, it's no problem. <laughs> and of course, I, I'm so aligned with what you're saying because... Yes, I'm a women's coach. Yes, I coach on all masses of different topics that women might be struggling with at any one time, but it always comes back to the same thing, which is how you see yourself and how you hold yourself determines the world around you. Yes. Oh my gosh. And you know, for some of us who struggle in this area with this piece of work, it's really hard you know, I've had so many women sit with me and say, how do I do this? How do I learn to love myself? How do I learn to be compassionate with myself? Because a lot of people believe that being hard on themselves actually makes them better. That's what gives, gets them to be productive or makes them stronger. But it's really the opposite. The more gentle, loving, and forgiving we are with ourselves, the easier life is and the stronger we become and the more productive and creative we feel. So the first place to start is really to start to say loving things to yourself, even if you don't believe them. (laughs) You just have to keep feeding yourself good thoughts and noticing when you have critical thoughts and 
quiet, gently quieting that voice, gently turning away from that voice. If you do that over time, you will shift. And replacing them with healthier thoughts, right? Yes, yes, yes. Thoughts that are, things you would say to a child, things you would say to a friend or somebody you love. That's how you should be speaking to yourself all the time. Even when you screw up. Yeah, it's okay. And it's okay because when when your child screws up, you say it's an accident it's okay these things happen that's right. when you learn right but we never exactly apply that same language to ourselves so right we yeah. need to we really need to because that allows us to recognize healthy love when it's it's standing in front of us <gasps> and allows us to see unhealthy love when it's not Oh, I love that it allows us to see healthy love when it's standing mm. in front of us Wow. Yeah. Because listen to this, a lot of women who don't have a good relationship yet with themselves will meet a man who is everything they think they want. He's kind, he's loving, he's attentive. And they'll think, oh my God, this guy is too nice. Ugh. You know, like, oh, I just, no. And you won't be attracted to him. Because? And it's all. Even though that's what you want? Yeah. Yeah, because you don't know how to receive that. It does, you don't have a place for that. If somebody is seeing you as, as a person who is beautiful and worthy of love and attention, that isn't going to resonate with you unless you feel that way about yourself. Maybe in the beginning for a short period of time, but once your defenses start to come down, it's not going to match with how you feel about yourself. So you will push him away or end the relationship or act out. You're not ready for that. So ultimately, you can only have as healthy a relationship with someone else that you have with yourself. Yes, exactly. So so we're going to get on to the rest of the points, but can I just ask, does that Mm -hmm. mean the work that you do with your clients and your patients, does that mean that all the work that you do is on them loving themselves? Is that what it always comes back to? Um, yes. I mean, a lot of people come in and that isn't their work to do. They, they don't struggle with that or they've already done that work. Right. So yes. But if that is an area of work, like we have to focus there first. Can I ask a question though? Does that work ever finish? Because like, (laughs) you know, I'm a pretty confident, self-assured woman, but there are, something will always come and slap me in the face where I'm like, oh my God, I've got to do this again. I've got to remind mm. myself again that I'm lovable and that I'm worthy and that, you know, I'm mm-hmm. valuable and I have all of these. And I have to keep reminding myself, as, as you said before, very beautifully about your value and your integrity, mm-hmm. all the things mm-hmm. that you stand for. Like, I'm always in the throes of having to remind myself of that. It doesn't just, oh, yeah, I've learned that lesson. It's not like your times tables. Right, right. That's, that's it. Right. Yeah. Over, you know we're always learning in life and there, but the thing is like, you're not way back at the beginning. So even if you have to like lean into that sometimes and it takes a little bit more effort because you've already done that work, you know, it's not as hard as it used to be. Got you. So the healing, as we heal, we may have to remind ourselves sometimes that we don't go all the way back to the beginning because once we start to shift and heal, we can't go backwards. Oh, that's a relief. Which is, yeah, yeah. People love to know that. 
<laughs> You're relieved. Thank you for that. I can end the conversation now. I feel great. Um, okay, so I'm going to try very hard not to interrupt you, but you are fascinating me. So there are questions. Oh, please. That's okay. So we've got clarity. We've got deal breakers. We've got knowing your own value, knowing what you yes. want to ask for it. I come on. Yes. Carry on, please. Okay. So the the third one is partner choice. So you said, I loved how you said it, that you, or maybe I said it, I don't remember, but it's true that you can only accept love as healthy as the love you have for yourself, right? So even if you've done that work and you really value yourself and you feel good about yourself, you still may choose partners who cannot create a healthy relationship with you. And, and that's a problem because a relationship can only be as healthy as the unhealthiest member. So Whoa! Oh my God. <laughs> I just blew your mind. You blew my mind. And like, you've just given me goosebumps all the way down because of course, and you know, there are certain friendships that I've had in my life in the past where that makes yeah. total sense, total sense. Yeah. Please repeat mm-hmm. it. You only have, I'm going to write this down. A relationship can only be as healthy as its unhealthiest member. Oh, I'm actually going to quote you on that. Can only be awesome. an unhealthy member, of course. So, yeah. oh my God, so we can do our own work. Mm-hmm. But then we're kind of like, okay, well, I've done mine. Like, you're going to do your mm-hmm. bit or not? And then we're a bit screwed. Well, well yeah. but here's the thing. So you may have done your work in terms of asking for what you want and getting clear, and you may have done your work on valuing yourself, but a lot of people struggle with unconscious attraction and partner choice. Even though we say the kind of partner we want, we keep choosing somebody who can't love us and who can't meet our needs. And that is because unconscious attraction says that we will choose partners who recreate our unmet needs as children and our roles in childhood until we become aware of those things. So for, so basically we will choose people in adulthood that replicate the relationship we had with our caregivers as well. It definitely happens in your romantic relationships, but could likely happen in your other relationships as well. So you may gravitate toward people that keep you in the same role that you've been in in your family since childhood. So for instance, um, let me give you an example. So let's say that this is a very cliche example, but it's, it's very true. And this is actually one of my, my old patterns that I've healed, thank goodness. But if you had a father or a mother who was not emotionally available, which means they were not emotionally attuned to their own selves. And so they couldn't share with you how they were feeling. You didn't know anything about their internal experience. They couldn't, and therefore they couldn't be attuned to you. Yeah. They they could not check in with you and see how you were feeling emotionally. You guys couldn't speak that language of emotion together. Mm -hmm. Then you will gravitate toward partners who also don't speak that language. And... Is it because it's familiar? Yes. We seek out the familiar because that feels safe. It's known. It's comfortable. And so we will choose partners who get us back in that same dance. 
So for me, I used to choose men who, you know, I had to work so hard to get them to open up and share their feelings with me. And I, you know, unconsciously, it felt great. That was my work in the relationship. That's why they needed me. After a while, as I started to heal myself, I'm like, I don't want to do this work because (laughs) look, I'm, yeah, like I'm trying to heal this man, but I'm not getting any of my needs met. So as I became aware of my unconscious attraction, which is really choosing men who could not be attuned to me emotionally, then I, I shifted, I transformed, and that was no longer attractive to me. So you then, know. if that's no longer attractive to you, then it's no longer in your life because you're not bringing no. that in. No, heck no. So mm-hmm. once you become aware of why you've been choosing the wrong partners, even the awareness can shift things, you know? So before I met my husband, I used to go out with guys, and I've been with my husband 16 years, and I mm-hmm. used to go out with guys who were really confident and really like arrogant. Well, my husband's a bit arrogant, but that's in a, in a good way. <laughs> and they were really like life and soul of the party and center of attention. I was always attracted to these very big characters in men. Mm-hmm. And what it would do, and I'm quite a big character myself, so what it would do is it would push me into the background. So yes. I was attracted to it because I understood it. And then mm-hmm. after about however many months or weeks or whatever, it was like, well, hold on, I, I feel like I'm losing myself here. Mm-hmm. Then I met my husband, and he was the first man I ever went out with who was fairly quiet and, mm-hmm. and calm mm-hmm. and who was very comfortable in the background. Yeah. So I then found that I could just step into who I am in all mm-hmm. my glory, and he was so relieved because he didn't have to do any of that work and I was so relieved because I could just be as big as bolshy as I needed to be and we just completely complimented each other and I've always said to this day it fascinates me that for I didn't meet my husband until I was 27 well he's quite young Mm. now but that all those years of dating say 10 years of dating like I used to bang my head against this brick wall of guys that just didn't they didn't compliment my character at all and then, mm-hmm. there it was. It's was like, oh my God, this is so simple. Yeah. Did, was there ever a moment when you first met him where you thought like, oh, I don't know. He's, he's too quiet. Um, honestly, no. So honestly, you were at a place. I, I, to be honest, for the first year that I met him, I thought that every single word that came out of his mouth was complete and utter magic, which we have to <laughs> about now because obviously... Things have, things have changed 16 years down. Yes, as they do. As they do. So, and I, I do wonder if I'd have met him maybe two years earlier when I wasn't in the mm-hmm. same place, would that have worked? Would I have been ready? For- right. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, very, very. So yeah, so sometimes the healing, the work comes in um, healing your unmet needs healing your childhood wounds. And, you know, sometimes that takes a lot of time. Sometimes it doesn't take that much time. It just depends on what they are and what your experience has been. Therapy can help with that. Reading can help with that, you know. But like I said, awareness, even just awareness of the kind of partners you've been choosing and how they differ from what you actually want can start to shift things. So that is a big area that, you know, women just choose the wrong men. And then they wonder why things don't work out. And sometimes we can choose the wrong people in our lives. Yes. So 
And that's kind of, I find that a little bit trickier in a way, because if you're, say you're in a romantic relationship, you finish it and that's it. And then you don't have to see each other again. But say friendships in your life that Mm. possibly are toxic or not bringing out the best, you're not bringing out the best in each other. what, What do you do with that? Because you can't just break up with a friend or can you? Well, you can. I mean, what I, what I've always said is like, you know, in any relationship, friendships included, if there is an issue you have, so there's two things you can do, I guess. If you want to try to give the relationship a chance and try to mend the relationship, then if you feel like conflict is worth it, then you share how you feel with your friend. And then you see what they do with that. So if you share your feelings in a non-blaming way, but you just say, this has been my experience of our friendship, this is how I've been feeling, then an emotionally safe person will hear that and say, oh, you know, maybe not these exact words, but thank you for sharing that. They might share their experience of it. Like, yeah, I've been feeling that too, or this is how I've been feeling. The two of you can have a conflict, resolve it, and actually be closer. Yeah. If you share that and a friend is not an emotionally safe person, they might get defensive or angry, try to blame you, push you away. And then, you know, like maybe this relationship has come to an end. Wow. It's sad, isn't it? If you, oh, if it you... is. Well, I was going to say, if you kind of are, if you don't, if you kind of know that a friend isn't going to be able to hear feelings and respond to that, and you feel like, you know what, it's not worth it, then you could choose just to kind of disengage. And some people do. They're like, I don't think this is going anywhere good. But I always feel like it's better to, you know, communicate. So what would you say, like, if you had to define what a healthy relationship is? Yeah. How would you define it? It's a lot. You know, (laughs) I think in general, both people feel like they can be their whole selves. The relationship can hold their feelings as hard as they are for the other person to hear, can hold their truths. Both people take good care of their relationship. So they do things that maintain, maintain the integrity of their relationship. They're loyal, they're honest, they're transparent. Um, there's trust, there's emotional safety, which means I can share my feelings and not be punished for it. Both people can be accountable, which means... We can each show up and say how we feel and own our responsibility for things when we screw up. So if one person is always getting blamed, that's not an emotionally safe relationship. You know, two mature people who can show up and do the hard work and, and it doesn't keep disrupting a relationship. If you share your feelings and it always leads to conflict, you're probably not in a healthy relationship. I've got to say, I think that's, I'm going to say something very controversial, but I think yeah. that's really rare. I think a healthy relationship yeah. is really rare to have. Yeah. You think so? I, I really do. And I think they're, like, there's a few, I have a, I have a lot of friends and I have a beautiful relationships around me, but are yeah. there, is every relationship in my life where I can be totally myself? No, absolutely yeah. not. And yeah. I can I mean, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Well, I guess I was thinking about like a healthy romantic partnership, but friendships, you know. Breaking up. 
levels of friendship. Sorry, repeat that because you broke So there's some friends that are a little bit more. So you hear me now? Yeah, got you. Now? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Friendships, you know. So in some friendships, maybe you don't talk about feelings as much. Maybe you don't share your whole self. You're more, you're... You t- maybe you're friends because your kids are friends. Yeah. So, you know, there's different levels of friendship. And I think a relationship can be healthy as long as, it, as it's not causing you discomfort. It's not causing you to feel like you have to heart, hide parts of yourself. Yes. Lovely. You know? Yes. Yeah. I totally get that. And I would say that my relationship with my husband changes all the time. Yeah. And we we have gotten to a place where we can communicate effectively but there's times in those 16 years where we haven't been able to that's personal too um and I guess that as long as you both want to work towards if you're both working towards the same thing and you both want the same thing yes and I would say that is the most important thing you know as long as there isn't any sort of like manipulation or emotional abuse if both people are really willing to do the work Sometimes you're going to be more connected. Sometimes you're going to be less connected. Sometimes you're going to like each other more or less. But if both of you take on the responsibility of doing the work of a relationship, that is the most important thing. And a lot of times the women get caught up in this role of doing the the work in the relationship. And, you know, it's one-sided. Well, because we're more emotionally, and this is a generalization, we're more emotionally in tune and we are more open and yes. to be vulnerable. We find it easier. To yes. Gen- gen- yes. Generally. Yeah. And so we may be the ones to bring things up more often, but we, you know, as long as our partner appreciates that on some level and doesn't pathologize it, doesn't make it a problem, yeah. you know, or it can hold space for that. Oh, that's lovely. And hold space. Yeah. 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 So, so tell us a bit about um, your book. I assume that this is, this is what it's all based on your book. Yes. Healthy romantic relationship. Yes. So each chapter is one of the major mistakes that, you know, I've seen women making in their lives that we all tend to make. And so most readers are going to identify with, you know, one to two to three areas of major work. Um, the ones we didn't talk about are pacing, like how fastly, how fast or slow you go when you first meet somebody. Oh yeah, um, tell us a bit about that. <laughs> so a lot of people feel like, you know, they meet someone, they like that person, like, oh my God, this is amazing. They attach super quickly. They end up like getting physical very soon, like they're dating in a relationship. And what happens if a relationship moves too quickly, even if it's feeling great, is that fear will set in for one of you. So in the very beginning, if you're hot and heavy, pretty quickly and spending tons of time together and you're not staying connected to yourself, you're not moving at a slow enough pace to kind of build the flame, keep the steady flame burning, then one of you is going to start to feel like, ooh, you won't recognize it as fear. It usually comes out as um, repulsion or, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Or feeling smothered, feeling really critical of the other person. This person that, you know, for two weeks we've been like enamored with, all of a sudden we're like, 
oh, why is he so needy? Or we'll have all these thoughts that are really just fear because we feel like we've lost connection to ourself. And now we are in this relationship before we really even know someone. So, and if it's not you, it will be him. So one of you will start to pull away. And oh my goodness, this, yeah. this is like golden. I'm thinking of all my women friends that are on the dating scene. This, this stuff is like a oh, yeah. nugget you're giving us. I'm telling you, yes. <laughs> I just see it happen all the time. And so then the important thing is you could still recover. Although, you know, if this person actually had potential, you kind of moving too quickly will destroy any potential. If one of you asks for space, if you've moved too quickly and you're like, okay, I just need a little bit of time. We need to go more slowly. Or like, I just need a week off. If the other person can deal with that, then you could recover. But usually, you know, that doesn't work so well. I'm gritting my teeth. I'm covering my eyes and I'm shaking my hands at home because... How many times, A, have I been there when I was on the dating scene? Way too many. And yeah. this was definitely a pattern of mine. I used to be all into it. And then, you know, and then I was... Mm-hmm. Me too. Totally. But and, listen... And I hear it happen with my girlfriends now. Like a guy will be calling them and texting them obsessively. And it's like, oh my God, he's amazing. And then he just like disappears off the face of the earth. Yes. But listen, if... If either your friend or the guy was aware of what was actually going on and could say or even text like, listen, I've realized I'm really freaking out right now because I think we move too quickly and I really like you, but I need some space to see how I feel. There could still be potential there if you could communicate that. If the other person knew what was going on. Yeah. And like you said, if the other person can actually be with that and not take it as a complete and utter rejection, which let's face it. Yes. It's that, I mean, uh, that is very hard not to do. Yes, it is. And that's why you don't usually recover from that. So it's sad, but the good news is that if this is something you do, you know, and the woman really sets the pace. Women don't understand. We hold most of the power here in our relationships. We get to choose who we date, who we continue to date. We only choose to continue to date men who honor us as we do our work, whether it's like moving more slowly, speaking up and saying how we feel and setting boundaries, which is another chapter that we haven't talked about. And if men respond well, as we share our feelings, as we go at a pace that's comfortable to us, as we, you know, express ourselves, then those are the men we should keep seeing. If a man makes us feel insecure or is inconsistent, or when we say our preference or we say, you know, I didn't like that, if he's defensive or pushes us away, we don't date him because those things don't change. Okay. And a, and a whole other chapter in the book is red flags. Can I just, can I just, I want to just pause you there because I just want to ask you something which I think is really interesting. And then I want to get onto boundaries and red flags because red flags for sure. Um, okay. So, oh, I forgot what it was now. Oh, oh yes. How women okay. set the pace. Now, yes. again, I'm just thinking about my single girlfriends. And yes. If they, when they listen to this, which I hope they do, um, mm-hmm. They're going to say, there's no way. The guy always sets the pace. And I, and I know there's going to be a subconscious 
a little golden nugget that you're going to give us here. So how so? How is yeah. it they set the pace and it's not the man? Because we get, the work starts with you knowing what you want, what you're comfortable with, what your preferences are. And that's a step that a lot of women skip because as ah. women, we are socialized to take care of and respond to and be attuned to a man. Ow. And sometimes we are so focused on, does he like me? What can I, how can I be so he will like me and keep liking me instead of being focused on what we should be focused on, which is how do I feel about him? How do I feel with him? Uh, I mean, I, I literally scream this at some of my girlfriends. <laughs> I don't care what he says. What do you think? You don't yes. him. And now all of a sudden he's disappeared off the face of the earth. You can't stop thinking about him. That yes. Way. Yeah. Yeah. And so it starts from the very beginning. It starts from like the messaging on the apps. Yeah. You know, ask the questions you want to ask. Don't worry about scaring him away. If you want to know something, ask it. If it scares him away, he's not the guy for you. Yeah. I mean, that is such an important piece, isn't it? Oh, it's so important. If he suggests a sushi, a sushi restaurant and you don't like sushi, say you don't like sushi. Yeah. Suggest something you would like. And also, like, if, you know, you're texting and you want to speak to him on the phone, then a woman can say, why don't we just speak on the phone, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Also, As you should. Yeah. Or let's get together or, okay. So, but not, yes. don't just be aware that actually you don't have to allow him to set the pace. No. And if he's wanting to see you every night, even though you may want to, if you know that moving slowly is the only way to, to feed a healthy relationship, then you say, you know what, I'm not available until Friday. Even though that's going to be really, really, really hard for some women because we have a fear. Well, if I don't give him what he wants, okay. he's going to lose interest. Okay. But if he's the right person, he won't. You're I, worth the time. Oh, yes, yes, and a big fat in capital. <laughs> yes. Um, I know that women do forget that when they're yes. dating. Um, yeah. Because they're vulnerable when they're suddenly very exposed, aren't they? Exactly. exactly. So what are the, come on, let's hear about the boundaries and the red flags. Okay, so the boundaries, we've been kind of talking about them already. Part of it is speaking up and saying how you really feel, what you like, what you don't like. If a guy tries to take something sexual, you know, early on, you can say, you know what, I'm not ready for that. If he invites you back to his place on the first date, you know, if you want to go, that's great. But just know if you, if you have sex right away, it's less likely for this to turn into something long-term. The by one thing way, I'll mention... By the way, I would say that boundaries yeah. are an issue for, oh. for most people. But, but yes. obviously, you know, my audience is women. And especially us women, like really, really struggle to implement boundaries. Um, yes. Themselves, with their self-care, with even their thoughts with the yes. things they want to do, with people-pleasing, with guilt, with all of it. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's probably completely multiplied when you stick them on the dating scene. Yes, and the book talks about a lot of fears that kind of feed that inability to set boundaries. And if you address the fears, it gets a little bit easier. Um, before we get to red flags, the other chapter that I'll just give a sentence or two about is... Um, is accepting rejection and how to deal with it. Because a lot of people, if, if a man decides 
they're not interested or they ghost them or, you know, they, they end a relationship. Some women have a hard time moving on. And so they cling, they chase, they try to convince someone to love them. And there's so much suffering in that. And so what I say is like any rejection is a blessing, really, because your person is going to choose you over and over again (laughs) for a very long time. And so somebody who isn't choosing you in the beginning, you have to let go of, you know, like your person will, will see your value and worth. And if they don't, they're not for you. It, it yeah. doesn't mean anything about you. Um, I love, I love the last said about the suffering. There is so much suffering in the clinging. Oh, yeah, because you have no control over how somebody feels about you. Yeah. Or how somebody feels in general. Yeah. You know? You can only, and to be, to quote a little bit of mindfulness here, you can only surrender to what is and once yes. you surrender to what is, it does take away all of that neat, mm. like, unnecessary suffering that we actually put ourselves through. Yes. So if you are dealing with rejection or a breakup, focus on yourself okay. and do not try not to take it personally. Don't don't think, well, if I would have done this, if I would have done this, there's there's nothing there for you. Just take oh, good care cool. of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. And then you're welcome. (laughs) The last chapter is red flags because, oh my goodness gracious, if I could just like instill in every woman like a program that when they encountered a red flag, they would just like lose interest. I wish that I could because so many women encounter red flags and either they don't recognize them or their intuition recognizes it, but they ignore it. And a lot of red flags are an indication of a much bigger issue. They're an indication of somebody who isn't emotionally healthy and emotionally safe, but also they're an indication of somebody with narcissistic personality disorder or sociopathy, which is somebody we would call a sociopath or... more common these days, would you say? I know. Yeah. (laughs) They do seem to be more common. So some of these red flags... You know, the thing about pacing is when we go slowly, we get a chance to gather information about someone and really get to see who they are. Because in the beginning, all we're doing is seeing the good and projecting onto someone who we want them to be. And our first conflict, our first awkward moment usually doesn't come until, you know, weeks or months down the line. And at that point, you're really going to see more about who somebody is. And that's a lot of times when these red flags will come out. They can come out before that as well. So for instance, some of the red flags are if you share your feelings, if you get upset and you, you know, you say you set a boundary or you say something you don't like a man who gets defensive, that's a huge red flag. So defensiveness says like, well, I didn't, I didn't do that. Or I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant at all. They're, they're trying to convince you to feel a different way. Yeah. If they minimize your feelings. I do have a saying with my husband now, but again, 16 years. I now say, like when I tell him how I feel about something, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't, you don't, like, no, that's just like, well, it's not a no or a, you can't, this is how I feel. So this is a fact. And that's not something that you can change. Yes. Um, 
And he laughs every time I say that. <laughs> no coming back from that because he then just has to sit with it. Right. Exactly. I can't say that she's wrong because this is, right. I'm owning it. Exactly. You can't argue with the feeling. You can't argue with it. You just can't. Yeah. No, you don't get to say how I feel or how I don't. That's none of your business. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And so if if you encounter some of these, the, the, the thing I want you to do is just what you did. Say, you know what? I'm trying to share how I feel. I just need you to hold space. And somebody who's capable of, of, and healthy will be able to kind of correct that behavior. But somebody who isn't, you will know. Okay. It won't change. Other red flags are somebody who lies to you. <laughs> if they lie to you about anything, they're going to continue to lie to you. It, that's something that doesn't change. Now, if you're in a relationship and you get lied to, it's trickier, you know, and there are different guidelines I have about how to figure out what to do with that. Um, somebody who minimizes your feelings. So when you share feelings and they say like, oh, that's not a big deal. That's crazy. Like, why are you upset about that? Yeah. Um, somebody who gaslights you. Have you heard that term? I mean, I have, but other people might not. Can you give us a quick rundown of what gaslighting is? Yeah, so gaslighting comes from a movie, I think that was out in the 50s, where this um, husband was trying to make his wife go crazy, and they, they had gas lamps in the house. So he would turn down the level of the gas lamps at night, and she would notice it. She would say, hey, it's darker in here. Are the lights getting dimmer? And he would be like, no, you're crazy. Wow. So gaslighting is when you make, you deny reality to get somebody to question their own reality, their own perceptions, their own judgment. And so if you're sharing a feeling, if you, you know, as women, our intuition constantly will tell us what's up. So if you have a feeling something is going on and you share that, somebody who's lying about what's really going on, or even if you see something, Someone who gaslights you will, will convince you or try to convince you that you didn't see that. And that is so dangerous because once we begin to question our own ability to trust our senses, we're in real danger. So you know? hold on very, very tight to your intuition and your instinct because they never lie. Yes, they don't. They don't. And just a couple more, um, I won't go through all of them here, but in the beginning, somebody who is inconsistent or disappears, big red flag. You know, <laughs> so pay attention to that, even in yeah, communication stuff. It. I mean, they sound so obvious. I know. I can't be with someone if they lie to you. Of course, if they're making you feel like you're uncomfortable or you can't say anything, of course, then that's not the guy for you. These right. are obvious things. I mean, I'm assuming they're just not obvious when you're in the situation. Well, here's the thing. They might even be obvious. We may be having reactions to them. But here's one thing that happens. We go to our girlfriends who are trying to love us and they want to make us feel better. And they know that we really probably want this relationship to continue. So oftentimes our girlfriends will tell us things to make us feel better instead of telling us what the truth is. Like, yeah, that's not cool. He hasn't texted you in two days. I'd be pissed too. Like, that's not okay. And I wouldn't see him again. Yeah. Instead, we make excuses like, well, maybe he's just busy or maybe he's, you know, so as women, we need to support each other and be honest about what we're seeing. Okay. And also as women, we need to trust our own, like, 
if a man isn't texting you and it, you know, you need to tell him that. And if it changes, great. If it doesn't, then move on. And also like, if you're okay, it depends what the setup is of the relationship, doesn't it? You yeah. It's a totally casual thing. You speak once a week and you see each other. Yeah. And that's totally, and as long, but what you're saying is as long as you're okay with it, that's yeah. fine. But totally. the feel uncomfortable is the minute that you have every right to stand up for yourself, speak your truth and to not be, and to not worry about scaring him off because that's what's true for you. So you have to feel, exactly. you have to own it. Yeah. And, own, you know, sharing your feelings doesn't have to be this big, you don't have to come out guns blazing. You can kindly and gently share yeah. how you're feeling yeah. and, you know, it should be well-received. So, so, so give so thank you. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not dating, but if I was, I would definitely come to you as my coach. Because um, <laughs> you must be so wonderfully supportive to all of your women, patients and clients. Um, so for everyone listening who wants to read your book, please yeah. tell us where, where can we find it? You can find it on Amazon. Um, yeah. So every relationship is a test. You can buy it on Amazon or you can go to my website. The link is there as well. Okay. Um, my website is Dr. Terry Mack, D-R-T-A-R-I-M-A-C-K.com. Dr. Terry Mack. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's called Every Relationship is a Test. Yes. And the last thing I'll say that we didn't really cover is like, once you identify what area your work is in, the universe is going to start sending you all kinds of opportunities. I say that in quotes really tests for you to lean in and do your work. So if your work is boundaries and you say, okay, I'm committed to this, I'm going to start speaking up. I'm going to start going at a pace that feels comfortable for me. Then you will start to meet partners who give you the opportunity to do that. And the work is going to be uncomfortable. So when he says, oh, you know, he's really, you're really excited. He's really excited. And he's like, oh, you know, I, I got tickets to this concert. Do you want to come? And let's say it's for whatever reason, you're not comfortable doing that. That's not what you want to do. Can you say, you know what? I really want to see you, but could we do this instead? Or if he wants to go back to his place, you really like him and you don't want to scare him off. Can you say, you know, I really like you, but I'd rather go home and see you again later in the week. And once you start to pass these tests, you will get rewarded. And Mm -hmm. that is the really, really cool part. I mean, the men that you start to meet will be a level up. Things in your life will start to connect and flow better. You will start to shift and change. I mean, it's really an amazing process. So, you know, it's exciting to watch. But you've got to do your work first. Oh, my God. you got to do the work. (laughs) And actually, I will say that is an absolute, that, that goes... That goes towards every area in life, not just dating, in every relationship you're in and in every situation that I have found myself in, there's always work to do and there's always an opportunity to grow and to learn and to be better and to mm-hmm. and to just deepen my understanding of myself and my understanding of who I want to be and who I strive to be. And that like that never ends, right? That never no, ends. it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No. So do the work, but just know that it's an incredibly magical, empowering, fulfilling process, mm-hmm. but it will be a continuous one. 
Yes. And the universe is always helping you. Yay, the universe. That's really <laughs> I know. A lot of women don't know that. It's like the universe is your wing woman. The you don't know that. Oh, the universe is your wing woman. <laughs> and the one thing I have noticed, and please, I would like your opinion on this. Well, yes. like when I'm stressed and overwhelmed and a bit anxious and all of that, the universe is responding to that. And so it's giving me more stress and more overwhelm or, you know, I'm basically giving mixed messages. It's like talking mm-hmm. to another human being, but I'm talking in a different language. And they're then turning around to me saying, you're not making sense. I'm trying to help you here, but I need you to clarify what you're going on about. So then when mm-hmm. I get myself calm and in flow and a little bit, I want to say Zen, but I feel like all my friends will just burst out laughing when I say that. <laughs> I'm not particularly zen. But when I'm in flow, so when, yeah. I'm, when I'm not anxious, I'm trying to find the best way of putting it. When centered? I'm, yeah. Centered? Connected? Yeah. Centered, connected, grounded, and clear. When I'm all of mm. them. And it takes me, sometimes it takes me a long time to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Then I understand what it is I want, what it is I need, and then literally the minute it comes out of my mouth, I'm not joking. The universe then brings it to me, and it's I like, know. like it turns around to me and it says, "Oh my God, you took your time. Could you not have just spoken in English and you could have had this weeks <laughs> ago?" <laughs> so, for me, I've learned that my worth is to always get back to my flow and get back to my. Mm because then I can then I can actually do the work I want to do. But I can't ever yeah. do an anxious, overwhelmed place. It's true. Well, yeah, the work in that moment, the universe is like giving you that opportunity to do the hard thing and recenter. Oh, yeah, of course. And of course it is. Like I've just said to you, that's always going to be my work, to find myself, yeah. to find my flow. So that's why the universe, yeah, of course. That's why you're <laughs> testing me on it. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I just had an aha moment. I love it. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your knowledge on femaling. I am really honored to have had you on. If there are any words of wisdom that you want to leave our lovely listeners with on how to have healthier relationships? I would say start with the relationship with yourself. You know, really be curious about your own internal processes, um, what your particular work is, and then lean into that. And share it with friends who, who understand your work and will give you good support and guidance along the way. Don't share it with people who maybe don't speak this language or understand how to support you. Wow. Share it with your tribe. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Insightful much? Wasn't she amazing? What an incredible chat. And ultimately what it always boils down to, and you're going to get really bored of me saying this, is the relationship that you have with yourself really determines the relationship that you have with others. You have been listening to Femaling. Thank you so much for your time. As always, if you like what you heard, please subscribe. Please write a review because Apple Podcasts really like that. And please share it amongst your friends and other people that you think would enjoy this podcast. And I will speak to you next week with a new episode of Female. Have a great week, ladies.